0: وَحْدَهُ لَا شَرِيكَ لَهِ وَأَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا wa وَرَسُولُهُ Verily the praise belongs to Allah, we praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness, and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds. Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead him astray. And whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide him. I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that He has no partners or associates. And I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is His slave servant and His messenger. We'd like to begin this evening in this, the fifth or sixth now series of lectures based upon the explanation or the Sharh of Kitab Al-Tawheed al huwa Allah al Abid. and the explanation that we have been following is Al-Jadeed Al-Jadeed fi sharh Kitab Al-Tawheed by Shaykh Muhammad Al-Qar'awi Hafidhu Allah, may Allah protect and preserve him and of course the original book Kitab Al-Tawheed it is by Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab ibn Sulaiman, al tamimi and Najdi, Rahimahullah. Uh, in the previous sessions, we mentioned and we discussed the chapters dealing with the obligation of At-Tawheed and the virtue or merits of At-Tawheed and what a Tawheed removes, or the sins that it removes. And we also talked about the high level of those who fully implement or establish the Tawheed in their lives. As Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab said, من and he's the one who removes from his life anything that, Corrupts or in any way takes away from the perfection of the establishment of Tawheed. That is all types of shirk, as well as innovation, and as well as any acts of disobedience or sinful acts. Whoever achieves this level of Tawheed, then they would enter paradise without accounting and without punishment. And likewise, after mentioning these chapters showing the importance of Tawheed and the high status of the people of Tawheed and the rewards of Tawheed, Al-Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, rahimahullah, mentioned the last chapter which we discussed Al-Khawf min Al-Shirk yani the opposite of Tawheed and the reasons why a Muslim should fear Al-Shirk, the danger of Shirk and how it destroys everything and whoever dies having practised shirk, that is major shirk, and not having repented from it, then they would be denied the paradise. And they would be of necessity entering the hellfire eternally. Here, after mentioning these chapters, An Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab Rahimahullah, brings the chapter that dua ila an la ilaha illallah. And after mentioning the levels that a Muslim should attempt to realize and achieve in his life in relation to Tawheed and being far removed or distant from a shirk, then he mentions the one who knows the importance of Tawheed and the danger of shirk, then it's also obligatory on them to call others to it. It's not sufficient that we try to achieve the perfection of Tawheed in our lives, but also we have to call others to it. And this is the way of the Prophets and Messengers of the past, that they achieved the high level of a Tawheed and then they called the other people to it. And likewise in this chapter we will see how <coughs> with just a few evidences from the Quran and Sunnah of the Prophet, the Imam makes it very clear of the obligation and importance and need of the call or the invitation calling others to the testimony of la ilaha illallah so he begins with the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in surah Yusuf chapter 12 verse 108 قُلْ هَذِهِ سَبِيلِي Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala orders the prophet sallallahu to say قُلْ هَذِهِ Sabili say to the people this is my way this is the road that i am travelling upon this is the path that i am taking hadihi Sabili. ad'u ila allah basira i call to allah based upon knowledge and certainty ala basira al basira it means al ilm wal knowledge and certainty not calling based on ignorance as some of the Muslims who may be well-meaning, want to call people to Islam, but call based on ignorance. But the way of the Prophet ﷺ, Kul sabili. This is my way, it is to make da'wah, calling to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, purely for the sake of Allah, Al Basira, based on knowledge. So it's not sufficient just to call, but it is of a necessity, that the one who calls has knowledge, that the basis of his dawa, it is knowledge and certainty, understanding of the deen, so that he knows what he is calling people to. So here in this verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered the Prophet to say to the people, this is my way. I call, I invite to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, based upon knowledge. Ana wa man I as well as those who follow me. It is my way, to call to Allah, not to call to myself or to my group or to my way, my party or madhab or country but to call to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, sincerely for the sake of Allah, this is the way of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa and this is the way of those who follow him. This is the condition of anyone who wants to claim that he is following the Messenger of Allah Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa then they have to fulfill the conditions. And one of the conditions is that they have to be engaged in da'wah. What is his way? His way is da'wah. Da'wah based on knowledge. This is the way of the Messenger of Allah and all the Prophets and Messengers of the past. And it is the way of those who follow Him. وَسُبْحَانَ اللَّهُ وَمَا أَنَا مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ Was Subhanallah. Subhanallah, it is an expression in Arabic language, its meaning is a declaration. The declaration of the perfection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the glorification of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the negation the negation of any imperfection for Allah, any shortcoming for Allah, and the negation of whatever has been falsely attributed to Him by the people of deviation. Whether the people of the other religions who deviated, such as the Christians and Jews who are originally following a Prophet but who deviated from that which their Prophet brought, as well as the deviation of the pagans who originally don't have any book or any revelation or any prophet and as well as those from the Ummah of Muhammad who deviated from his sunnah. SubhanAllah, it is a declaration of the perfection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and a declaration that Allah is free of any shortcoming, that He has no partners and that He is not to be described in the way that those who lied on Him especially the Christians and Jews and the people, other people of deviation even from the Ummah of Islam. And I am not from amongst the mushrikeen. And also here the, the Prophet ﷺ is ordered to declare to the people that he is not from amongst the mushrikeen. Not only, not only he himself doesn't engage in shirk but he doesn't have anything to do with them, he is free of them. I am free of them, I have nothing to do with them, I have no association with them, I have no allegiance to them, or no ya'ani, relation with the people of shirk, the people who worship something besides Allah. Ya'ani, here in this statement it is clear that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is making the Prophet to declare that not only he will not engage in shirk, but he will also separate himself from the people who engage in it. He is not from amongst them. He is not from amongst them. So today insha'Allah, as we did last week, we will follow the Sharh or the explanation of Shaykh Al-Qur'awi, Allah. We'll follow his explanation, perhaps with some comments from some other sources, but primarily we'll follow his explanation from the book Al-Jadeed. fi Sharh, Kitab al from this book, except that I will skip those things that they skipped in the translation. Some of the discussion of meanings of words uh, and some of the questions and things that were mentioned in the original text of the book. Uh, otherwise, we will follow the text of the book um, except with some commentary here and there. And after we complete the commentary of Shaykh al-Qur'awi, then we will go to the masail that are not included in this book, in this translation, the Messiah, the issues, the important issues. That Al-Imam Muhammad Ibn Abdul Wahab mentions at the end of each chapter, uh, we will take those masail from uh, the book of Sheikh Muhammad Ibn Salih Al Uthaymin, Rahimahullah, Al Mufid fi Sharh Kitab al-Sawheed. And those masail are mentioned in the English translation published by Ad-Dar Darus Salam. Which uh, can you just show them? In case anyone who doesn't know, this, the masail are contained in this book at the end of each chapter. Inshallah, we will cover those masail after the Shah and inshallah we will follow this this method from inshallah from for the rest of the book so that you can follow the sharh from the english translation uh, of the sharh translation and you can follow the Messiah from the english translation of the publication of mathhab al-bar salam so here concerning the first evidence of the three evidences that the imam mentions the shaykh says, the general meaning of this verse is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is commanding his prophet sallallahu Alaihi in this verse, to teach the people and to make clear to them his tariqah, his way, his sunnah, what is his way. And that his manhaj or his methodology in life, what is it? And that this way that he is upon, this methodology that he is following, not only is it his way, but it's also the way of those who are truly his followers. And that way, that tariqah or his sunnah or his methodology, it is a da'wah ila Allah wa tawheedihi. It is calling to the deen of Allah. Calling to Allah, adu'u ila Allah, it means calling to the deen of Allah, and calling to the tawheed of Allah. And that tawheed is in Allah's rububiyyah, declaring him to be unique and alone as the one who is the sole Lord, the creator, and the one who controls the universe, as well as the tawheed in his asma wa sifat, or his names and characteristics, that he is unique in being entitled to these names, beautiful names and perfect qualities, and likewise, and most importantly, that he is alone in having the exclusive right to be worshipped, the tawheed of Uluhiya. or tawheed, al-ibada so here the shaykh says that this Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordered him to declare his way and to make known to the people that his way is the calling to the deen of Allah and the tawheed of Allah and that in this call he is moving or calling based upon knowledge ilm and burhan proofs certainty evidences whether legal evidences from the Quran and Sunnah as well as rational evidences that prove the correctness of this call and that whoever yeah, and he claims to be his follower that is those who follow his example and who believe in that which he has come with they also follow this way and that his way also includes to de- declaring the perfection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the glorification of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa taala, and that he is free from having any partner in any aspect of his Tawheed, the Tawheed of Rububiya or asma Al-Sifat and especially as I said in ubudiya, and likewise the last point that he is free of any relationship or connection or allegiance or friendship to the Mushrikeen to the people of Shirk as well as their Shirk this is the brief explanation of the Shaykh Al-Qarawi then he mentions the beneficial points al-fawait that may be derived from this ayah and there are many he mentioned five the first of them is the obligation of al-ikhlas in the da'wah to Allah, ya'ani al-ikhlas is a condition for any action to be accepted so here he mentions that it is obligatory to have ikhlas in the da'wah and this is understood from the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or the saying na'am where he ordered the prophet to say ad'u to Allah, yani that his da'wah is to Allah. It is purely for the sake of Allah. He is not calling to any group or organization or party. And this means that the person should have sincerity and ikhlas in making their da'wah exclusively for Allah alone. The second one is that it is obligatory that the da'wah, the call to Allah, that it be based on al-hujjat, al hujja and al-burhan, proofs and evidences. The da'wah should be based on proofs and evidences. The third is the obligation of Declaring oneself free of shirk and the people of shirk. That we have no relation to them. And this is the basic principle of Islam. Al-wala wal-bara. It is a foundation in Islam. Al-wala wal-bara. To have allegiance to the believers, the people who believe in Allah and worship Him. And to disassociate oneself from the disbelievers who disbelieve in Allah and worship something beside Him. The fourth of them is that no deed is correct. Except that... It is in agreement with what has been brought by the Messenger of Allah. Uh, and this is the second condition of the two conditions for acceptability of deeds. Al-ikhlas is the first one, sincerity for Allah alone. And this one, al-muwafaqa or al yani being in agreement with the Prophet وسلم, or following his way, adhering to what he has brought strictly. And the last point he says the obligation of kanzih or making the any declaration of Allah's perfection and being free of any imperfection uh, of those things that have been ascribed to him that are not suitable or appropriate to describe Allah with. This tanzih is understood in the words of the ayah وَسُبْحَانَ اللَّهُ It is tasbih, it is tanzih. Tanzih, to declare Allah to be free of anything that is not suitable and appropriate to his glory and his majesty. Here he says that the relationship between this verse and the chapter. The chapter, the call or the dua, calling to the testimony of la ilaha illallah. The relationship between this verse and that chapter heading is that uh, this, this ayat indicates that the way of the Prophet ﷺ and those who follow him, that it is calling to the deen of Allah. And this call to the deen of Allah contains the call to the shahada of la ilaha illallah. No one can call to the Deen of Allah, except that they call to the most essential aspect of the Deen of Allah, it is a Tawheed, La ilaha illallah, the Shahada of La ilaha illallah. If you call anyone to Islam, the thing that they have to accept and admit to, first and foremost to enter Islam, it is the Shahada, Shahadatain, the Shahada of La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah. So this is the relationship between this verse and the chapter heading, because the verse is a call to Allah, to the Deen of Allah, And that call, first and foremost, is the call to the testimony or the admission or confession that nothing has the right to be worshipped except Allah alone. The second proof is a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ recorded by al-Bukhari and muslim on the authority of Abdullah ibn Abbas, رضي الله أنهما أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لما بعث معاذا إلى اليمن قال له إنك تأتي كوما من أهل الكتاب يعني when the Prophet, when the Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم missioned Mu'az ibn Jabal the great companion of the Prophet and one of the most knowledgeable of the ulama of the Sahaba, of the scholars of Sahaba, Mu'az ibn Jabal when he was missioned by the Messenger of Allah to go to Yemen, the Prophet said to him that verily you are going to a people you are going to a people who are from the people of the book and in the majority of the people of Yemen, they were from Ahlul Kitab. The Ahlul Kitab is the Christians and Jews. The people who are following a way based on a book, a kitab, a revelation that came to a prophet. The, the majority of the people in Yemen they were from the Christians or Jews. So he said you are going to a people from the Ahlul Kitab. Shahada, La Ilaha Allah." Therefore, since they are from the people of the book, let the first thing or make the first thing it is a command, Fal Yakun. Then make the first thing that you call them to, it should be the shahada of La Ilaha illallah. That nothing has the right to be worshipped except Allah. And this shahada, it is not only speech on the tongue. It is not shahada meaning just to say La ilaha illallah. But it also requires that the person who makes that statement that they have to know what is the meaning of La ilaha illallah and they have to act in accordance with what is required by that statement. And in the shahada of la ilaha illallah, it's not just words from the tongue, but it requires that the person knows its meaning and acts in accordance with it. So he said, let the first thing that you call to be the shahada of la ilaha illallah. Riwayatin, and in one of the narrations as reported by imam al-Bukhari in his Sahih, in his book the Sahih al-Bukhari in the chapter of At tawheed Kitab al-Tawheed from Sahih al-Bukhari, he said in one of the narrations of this hadith, instead of the words shahadatin la ilaha illallah, it is reported, ila an Allah. Amen. Call the people, ila an Allah. That they should declare the tawheed of Allah. Allah, To declare Allah to be alone and unique in his tawheed. So here you can understand from this narration that the words shahadatin la ilaha illallah, the testimony of la ilaha illallah, and the calling to the tawheed of Allah, the meaning is the same. The shahada of la ilaha illallah is the same as the tawheed of Allah, the meaning is the same. So the first thing should be calling to the tawheed of Allah, or the shahada of la ilaha illallah. فَإِنْهُمْ أَطَاعُوكَ لِذَلِكَ And if they obey you in that, yani if they believe in what you are saying and they act in accordance with it, فَأَعْلِمْهُمْ Then teach them, اَنَّ اللَّهَ فرض عَلَيْهِمْ خَمْسَ صَلَوَاتٍ فِي كُلِّ يَوْمٍ وَلَيْلَةٍ If they accept the Tawheed, they believe in it and they act in accordance with it, then inform them and teach them that Allah has made obligatory, He has made obligatory, wajib, farg, upon them that they pray five prayers in a day and a night. Yani in the course of 24 hours a day and a night, the are five prayers made obligatory upon you. So after Tawheed, the, next, the most important thing after Tawheed, It is the Salat. فَإِنْهُمْ أَطَاعُكَ لِذَلِكَ فَأَعْلِمْهُمْ أَنَّ اللَّهَ افْتَرَضَ عَلَيْهُمْ صَدَقَةً تُأْخَذُوا مِنْ أَغْنِيَائِهِمْ فَتَرُدُّوا عَلَى فُقَرَائِهِمْ If they accept that, the Salat, and they act in accordance with it, and they perform the prayers, next, teach them that Allah has also made obligatory upon them Sadaqah, and here the meaning of Sadaqah, is a zakat, it is not voluntary charity, this sadaqah and this hadith, it means the zakat, the obligatory charity, that is obligatory in a Muslim who has more than their means for the period of time as prescribed in the sharia. And this sadaqah it should be, as the Prophet وسلم made clear to him, what is the system of sadaqah? It should be taken from the rich and it should be returned to their poor. ila ihim To their poor, not to poor people someplace else, but it should be taken from the rich in that place. And it should be given back to the poor of their people in that place. Unless there is no poor people in any place, then the zakat may be given to other people in another place. And the fuqara is one of the eight divisions of the people entitled to a zakat as mentioned in the Qur'an, surah At-Tawbah. فَإِنْهُمْ أَطَاءُكَ لِذَلِكَ And if they obey you in this, yani they accept it and they act in accordance with it, the prayers and the zakat, فَإِيَّاكَ وَقَرَائِمْ أَمْوَالِهُ Then I warn you to beware of taking the best and the most precious of their wealth. Yani when you collect the zakat, don't take the best of what they have. But take from that which is moderate. Not the thing that's dearest and closest to them and the most valuable that they have. But take from that which is in between. وَاتَّقِي دَعْوَةَ الْمَظْلُومِ And have taqwa or fear or shield yourself from the dua, the da'wah. The the call or the supplication of the mazloom, the person who is oppressed or wronged. Beware of the person who supplicates against you because they have been wronged. It is very dangerous to wrong people. If they supplicate against you, it is very dangerous. The Prophet ﷺ said, beware, make between you and the supplication of the wrong person a shield. And the way to protect yourself from their supplication is by being just to them. Be just. If you are the ruler, the leader, the one in authority, don't abuse the people, but be just to them. When you take from their wealth, take from them justly and fairly and not from the best of what they have. فَإِنَّ لَيْسَ wa وَبَيْنَ Allahi هِجَابٌ Because, verily, beware of the supplication of the wrong person, for verily there is no hijab, no screen or curtain between the supplication of the oppressed person and Allah. Their supplication will go directly to Allah, and it will be answered. So beware of being unjust to people. This is a very serious matter that the Muslims need to understand today. Perhaps the, the, the strong people and the people in authority and in position, they are abusing the weak. But they should know that the supplication of the oppressed is answered by Allah in time. It will definitely be answered. A person should beware of such. Here the Sheikh... This hadith is reported by Al-Bukhari and Muslim. Here he mentions the explanation of the hadith. He says that the Prophet sent Mu'ayyad bin Jabbar as the wali, the one in authority over the Muslims in Yemen. And he guided him and informed him and taught him those things that are obligatory for him to do. And the first thing he began with, he said, that you should begin with a da'wah. The first thing that you should begin with is the calling to the tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala declaring Allah to be unique and alone in the exclusive right of worship. If the people accept it, they answer your call to that, if they accept it and believe it and act in accordance with it, then it is obligatory on you to inform them of the most obligatory, of all obligatory duties after the Tawheed and that is the Salat and then the Zakat, prayer and charity. And these are the most important things after the Tawheed, the Shahadatain. it is the actions, the performance of prayer and zakat. And if they obey your command in this matter, then it is upon you to beware and to be careful that you don't uh, deviate from justice and that you don't cause any harm to them by taking the best of their wealth. Because verily, this is hulm, injustice, to take the best of their wealth. And this is one of the things that it will move the people and excite them and anger them, and they will supplicate against you. And the supplication of the oppressed or wrong person it is not rejected. It is not rejected by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who will answer it. From this hadith, the shaykh mentions, a number of points, many of them are related to the rules and regulations and points of zakat. Anyway, we will mention them quickly. The first, before he reaches zakat, he mentions the first of the fawaid or points of benefit of 13 points that he mentions here. It is the first thing that the da'iyah, the one who is calling to Allah, the first thing that they should begin with is calling to the tawheed of Allah. Not calling people to the Islamic economic system, or to the Islamic social system, or to something else, political system of Islam, but the real da'iyah who is following the way of the Prophet ﷺ, the first thing that he should call to is the tawheed of Allah. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered the Prophet to mention in the ayat that I am calling to Allah, and this is what he ordered Mu'ad ibn Jabal to use as his menhaj. When he called people, the first thing of his da'wah is calling people to tawheed. Not as the people are doing today, calling to everything else, about the perfection of Islam in politics or in, in economics or in whatever, but actually the methodology of the Prophet is da'wah, it is calling to tawheed first and foremost. The second point which is also of equal importance, it is a tadarraj fi da'wah, that we should make our da'wah in degrees, not attack the people with everything at once, but little by little, little by little in degrees, so that the people can take it little by little, step by step, the most important thing first and then that which follows it in their order by degrees the most important thing and then that which is next in importance and this is understood clearly from the hadith but the prophet said call them to the tawheed of Allah and then after that if they accept it in degrees then tell them about the obligatory prayers and if they accept it the next thing that is of importance is zakat and so on the third point he said, in this hadith we understand the obligation of the five prayers. And the next point, that salat al-witr is not wajibah. Yani, there's a difference of opinion, this is a point of fiqh. But he understood from this that the Prophet ﷺ said, to tell them that Allah has made obligatory on you. Five prayers in the day and the night. That means that in the day and night, there are only five prayers are obligatory. And al-witr is not one of them. They are dhuhr and asr and maghrib and isha and fajr. Then he talks about zakat, a number of points related to zakat. The first of them is the obligation of zakat, that it's obligatory on a Muslim. The second of them is that zakat should not be given to the kafir. But the zakat is for the Muslims. It should be taken from the agniya of the people and it should be returned to fuqaraihim. Their poor, meaning the poor of the people who you have taken it from. You have taken it from the Muslims, it should be returned to the Muslims. Also, <coughs> that the fuqara or the poor people that they are are of the Ahlul Zakat, they are the people who are entitled to Zakat and they are mentioned as I said in Surah Tawbah chapter 9 verse 60 that the uh, charity is for Zakat is is to be distributed amongst 8 divisions of people, you can return to that ayah to get the details of it. Number 8, the permissibility of giving all of the zakat, if you have collected the zakat, it's permissibility to give it even to one group from amongst the eight who are entitled to the zakat. Because here the Prophet some didn't tell him to give it to the wayfarer, or to those to free the slaves, or to those who are working in the collection of zakat, or the other categories. But he said give it to the fuqara. So it's permissible then, that when the zakat is selected or collected, it might be given to any one of those eight groups, according to the need, according to the circumstances, and according to the one who is in authority, the ruler of the Muslims. Also, that it's not permissible to take the zakat from the land where it has been collected, except if there are no poor people in that land. Number ten, it is not permissible to give the zakat to the rich, to the agniya, but it should be taken from the agniya and given to the fukara. It is taken from the rich and given to the poor, so it's not permissible to give zakat to the rich. Number eleven, the prohibition of taking zakat, uh, or taking from, as zakat from the best of the wealth that the people have, but actually we should take from that which is moderate in their wealth, not that which is most cherished by them. Uh, then he goes from zakat, the last two points, the prohibition of zulm, injustice or wrongdoing of all types, all of it is haram. And number thirteen, the fact that the supplication of the mazloom, the wrong person, is answered. Even if that person was unrighteous. The person who injustice has been done to them, even if they are not a righteous person, Allah answers the supplication of those who injustice has been done to. So don't think we can do injustice to those people because they are evil and wicked and sinful. We will get away with it. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answers the supplication of the mazloom. The relationship between this hadith and the chapter under discussion uh, the call to the testimony of la ilaha illallah is that this hadith indicates that the first thing that the da'i should begin with the call to Islam, the first thing that he should begin with is the call to the shahada testimony of la ilaha illallah, that nothing has the right to be worshipped except Allah, and this is the most important aspect of the Tawheed and this is the aspect of Tawheed that the Prophet were. In dispute with their people about. And the aspect of Tawheed that the Prophet Muhammad was in dispute with his people about. They didn't deny that Allah is the only Rabb. It was acceptable to them. But the problem was making the ibadah, the worship for him alone. If you ask them who created the heavens and the earth, they will say Allah. It's clear, he is the Rabb, the only one. But when it comes to worship, they want to give it to others along with him. Uh, here the Shaykh mentioned some point or note he said that in this hadith, As-Siyam and Hajj, Fasting and Hajj have not been mentioned, along, even though that they are from the Arkan of Islam, the five pillars of Islam. And he said that there are many answers or explanations for this point. The clearest of them is that the Prophet sallallahu ordered him uh, to call the people to that which was obligatory at that time. And that which was obligatory on the people at that time, and that is Tawhid, the oneness of the, the uh, uniqueness of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, the messengership of the Prophet Sallallahu and prayers and charity. These things have been made obligatory from the beginning of Islam. As for the fasting and Hajj, it had, its time had not yet come; therefore, it wasn't necessary to call the people to that. Uh, since the since Mu'ad had been sent in the month of Rabi' neither hajj nor fasting, time had come yet therefore they were not mentioned. This is the explanation of the shaykh and then he says the second point <coughs> that in this hadith there is a mention of protecting oneself or making a shield or a screen for oneself from the supplication of the wrong person because there is nothing between that person's supplication and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. there is no screen or curtain between them and then, he, and then here uh, he says that it is mentioned in Surah An-Naml chapter 27 verse 62 أَمَّنْ يُجَيبُ الْمُضْطَرَّ إِذَا دَعَاهُ يعني is those gods that they are calling on or the one, meaning Allah, the one who answers the person who is distressed or who is in difficulty. Which one of them is better? The one who answers, the one who is in distress when he, is, when he calls on him or those gods which they, are wor- which they are worshipping. Here in this verse it is understood that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he is the one who answers, the one who is in distress when they call on him Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is the one who answers and this is, the point here is related to the answering of supplications that the answering of the madloom, the wrong person it is guaranteed and also the one who is in distress, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answers them and then he says in this uh, in another hadith yani in here at this point of answering the supplication of the distressed and the wrong he said that it has been mentioned in another hadith in it's sahih that the supplication of the one who calls on Allah has three conditions. One of them is that it may be answered immediately. The second of them is that instead of what they ask for being given to them, that some evil that was going to befall them would be repelled from them. And the third of them is that the thing that they ask for equal to it in good, it would be given to them. On yeah. I mean, in the next life. That means that whenever someone supplicates, then Allah Subhanahu wa Taala definitely answers their supplication. Either he answers it now in this time, or he will give them some reward in the next life, or in this world he will prevent or repel some harm from befalling them. So he said, the point here is, how does this, these three ways that supplications are answered relate to the guarantee of the answering of the supplication of the wrong person? And he said that the way of combining uh, this hadith and uh, the other hadith and ayah from the Qur'an it is that uh, the hadith that mentions there are three ways in which the supplication may be answered it is in reference to all of those who ask Allah for something other than the madhloom the one who is wrong and the muttarrah, the one who is in distress other people if they supplicate then Allah will answer them in one of three ways, either give them what they ask for or delay it until the next life or repel some harm from befalling them. As for these two, the wrong person and the distressed person, then Allah answers, He definitely answers the person who is wrong, even if it's after some time, and also the person who is in distress, the mercy of Allah will definitely reach them and Allah eventually will remove that which is distressing them. Uh, The last evidence that the last evidence that Shaykh uh, Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab rahimahullah mentions is another hadith reported by al-Bukhari and muslim wa lahuma an-Sahal ibn Sa'ad radiyallahu anhu but also al-Bukhari and muslim has narrated al-Hadith from Sahal ibn Sa'ad may Allah be pleased with him an-Rasul Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallama qala yawma khaybar that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said on the day of khaybar That is the day of the Ghazwat Khaybar, the day when the Muslims uh, raided or sent an army against the Jews of Khaybar, a small village not far from Medina. It was a place known for the Jews at that time.